0: Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. In Chapter Sixty Three. The psalmist speaks of being in a spiritually dry and weary land. Today, John encourages us to help people we know who can relate with David in the message entitled, Showing Kindness to Those Who Are in Dry Places.
1: This morning, we're going to be thinking specifically about showing kindness to those people who are in dry places, to those people who are going through hard times in their lives, and how our kindness to them could make all the difference, not only in their lives, but it could make all the difference in their eternity. So, if you'll open your Bible this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now, in this particular passage, just to kind of review things, David is the king of Israel. Saul has died, David has become king. And yet, David had so much love in his heart for God and for people that he was looking for someone to express some of that kindness too. And so David asked this question, is there anyone of the house of Saul that I might show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan was one of Saul's sons, and uh, Jonathan and David were the best of friends. And so it was told to David that Jonathan, even though by this time Jonathan has died, that Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. And they said to David, now, this son of Jonathan is crippled. Mephibosheth is crippled. Years ago, his nurse accidentally dropped him. And when she dropped him, he became lame in both of his legs. He became paralyzed from that fall. But that is someone that you could show kindness to. Now, in 2 Samuel 9, let's begin in verse number 1. Now, David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is a still, there's still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Mekir, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. Then king David sent and brought him out of the house of Makir from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, Here is your servant." So David said to him, do not fear for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather and you shall eat bread at my table continually. And so here's this young man Mephibosheth paralyzed, crippled, lame, unable to walk and he's living in a place called Lodabar, a long way from where David was in Jerusalem. And so David as the king, sends for Mephibosheth, brings him to the king's palace, and says to him, from now on, you're going to eat at the king's table. So David showed kindness to Mephibosheth, and it changed Mephibosheth's life. Now, this whole idea, or not idea, but this location, Lodabar, where he was from. That word literally means no pasture. In the Hebrew language, the word "lo" means no, and then the next word there, "debar," means pasture. And so, Mephibosheth was living in a dry, barren place. There was no vegetation. There was no fresh fruit. There was uh, nothing growing there in Lodabar. He was in a dry place, and it got me to thinking about the world in which we live and how so many people are living in a spiritual Lodabar. They're living in a dry place. Now, as I think about Lodabar and how that relates to us today, now in a moment we're going to be thinking about showing kindness to people who are there. But before we get into that, I want us to think about what is Lodabar today? What does this represent? For us, Lodabar is not a place on a map. Instead, now now I want you to think about this. It is the condition of our hearts when our lives are dry, barren, empty, fruitless, meaningless, and void of direction and purpose. Now, before we move beyond that. I want you just to think about that and think about your own life. Could it be today that here you are in church, and yet some of these descriptions fit you? Maybe today you say, John, I'm kind of like that. I'm in a dry place, a barren place, an empty place, a fruitless place. I'm not really producing any fruit for the kingdom of God. It's somewhat a meaningless existence that I have. And not only that, as I look out into the future, my life is void of any direction and any real purpose. I don't really have a goal. I don't really have anything I'm shooting for or looking forward to. It's different from Mephibosheth. His was a place on a map. It was a physical dry place, a barren place with no pasture. But some might say, today for me, it's spiritual, it's mental, it's emotional, and that's where I am. Now, let me make a couple of statements about Lodabar before we get into how we can show kindness to others who are there. The first thing I would say is this. Some people are in Lodabar and they don't even know it they don't even know they're there. In other words, they're in this dry place and they've been there for so long that they don't even know that they're there anymore. And this can happen to us in life. Sometimes if you're experiencing something and that's all you've ever experienced, you don't even know how bad it is. I can remember when my brother and I were maybe 12, 13 years of age, our family lived in East Texas. We were big fans of the Dallas Mavericks. And we would watch those those teams and and those those games, and we'd love to go to Reunion Arena in Dallas anytime we could to watch a watch a Mavericks game. But as you know, it's expensive to buy a ticket to a to a professional sporting event. And so anytime we went with our parents or with some other friends, we would always sit in the nosebleed section at the top of Reunion Arena, just as far from the action as we could be. Well, on one occasion, our doctor in, in Sulphur Springs, a man named Dr. Kurt Cutrell, called us or saw us at church, and he got me and Joel pulled us aside, and he said, guys, listen, I've got two extra tickets to the Mavericks game this Wednesday night against the Boston Celtics. Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, and I would like for y'all to go with me to that game, but here's the problem. It's on a Wednesday night, and this means you're going to have to miss church on Wednesday night to go to the game. So talk to your dad about it. See what he says. And so we went home that night and talked to dad and said, look, we've got an opportunity to, uh, to go to this game with Dr. Cutrell on Wednesday night. And we know that you and mom want us to be well-rounded kids. And we think part of being well-rounded <laughs> is skipping Wednesday night church at least once a year. We, we think at least once a year. And he said, well, that, that seems fair. And so, so we went to the game with Dr. Cutrell that night. Well, when we got there, Joel and I had been in Reunion Arena lots of times. And so we gave our ticket, and we were going in, and we started going up like we were going to the seats that we normally sat in. He said, what are y'all doing? He said, y'all, we've got, I've got better seats than that. Follow me. And he took us down to courtside seats of Reunion Reunion, not on the court on the side, but behind the goals. It was still, we were so close. And I remember looking at, getting seated and watching the pregame and then the game. And I thought... I never knew you were supposed to be able to see the players, you know, and to see their expressions, and you could even hear them when they would holler at the referee or something like that. See, what happened, we had been sitting in the nosebleed section so long, we didn't know how bad our seat was until we got down there and got into a good seat. So a lot of people are like that in life. They don't know that they're sitting in the rafters or in the nosebleed section because that's all they've ever known. So I'm simply saying, as we think about reaching people in our community, reaching our friends for the Lord. Some people are in Lodabar, and they don't even know they're there. They don't have anything to compare it to. But not only that, some people are in Lodabar, and they're trying to make it better themselves. In other words, their life is dry. Their life is barren. Their life is fruitless. Their life is boring. Their life has no direction. Their life has no excitement. They're in, they're in a dry place, and what are they doing? They're trying to make it better themselves. And they're trying to feel, now this makes sense to me, and we've all done this on one level or another. What they're doing is they're assessing their lives, and they're saying, my life is not all that exciting, and it's not all that great, and it's just not what I wish it were. And so they're trying, they're turning to the things of the world, and they're looking for the things of the world to provide them excitement, and to provide them fun, and to entertain them, and to try to get something going good in their lives. And yet what we have all discovered anytime we do that is that the things of this world, they don't last. The the excitement fades. This is the advantage we have as Christians. God never gets old. His mercies are new every morning. And he's as fresh today as he was yesterday, and he'll be as fresh tomorrow as he is today. But I'm saying some people are in Lodabar, and they're trying to make it better themselves. Now, not only that, think about this. Some people are in Lodabar and they can't get out on their own. I mean, here was Mephibosheth, crippled, unable to walk, stuck in a place where there was no pasture, Lodabar, and left to himself, he would have lived and he would have died in that place had it not been for David the king sending and calling for Mephibosheth and having his people to bring him to the king's palace. Mephibosheth would have died in that condition what am I saying? Some people are in Lodabar, and they can't get out on their own. They are spiritually dried up. They are spiritually crippled, spiritually lame, spiritually dead, and they can't get out. They have to be brought to Jesus. I I, I was thinking last night about all the times in the Bible where people were bringing people to Jesus after... uh, Andrew received Christ. He went and found his brother Philip, uh, his brother Peter rather, and he brought him to Jesus. As, after Philip found Christ, he went and brought his friend Nathaniel, and he brought him to Jesus. Those four men that had that paralyzed friend who couldn't walk, they put him on a mat and they carried him, and they brought that man to Jesus. Our job is the children of God, those of us who have been brought to the King's table. Those of us whose lives have been changed, our job is to go to others who are living in a spiritual Lodabar, and bring them to Jesus, because many of them can't get out on their own. Now, I was thinking about this whole idea of people who are living in Lodabar, people who are in a a dry place spiritually, and, and what that's like for them, and why are they there? Some of you today may be in a dry place, and the question is, why are you there? Why is it like this? Well, some people are in Lodabar because of their own sin. You know, sin has a way of putting us in a dry place. David, after he committed adultery and murder, David said to God, He said, God, when I kept silent about my sins, when I refused to confess and repent of my sins, when when I was harboring those sins in my heart, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. What was he saying? He was saying, God, I was in a dry place. It's like I was in a spiritual Lodabar, but when I confessed my sins to you, everything changed, and you forgave me, and you cleansed me of my sins. Sin takes the life out of Christianity. (laughs) It doesn't take the Christianity away, but it takes the life out of it away. That's why David prayed, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Can a Christian sin? Yes. Can a Christian sin and be happy? No. The most miserable person on earth is not an unsaved person. The most miserable person on earth is a saved person living out of the will of God. A saved person living in sin. Why? Because a saved person out of the will of God, living in sin, has quenched the Spirit of God and has lost that joy that they once knew. And as a result of that, they're miserable. Whereas an unsaved person never knew that joy to begin with. And so they're miserable, but it's not in the same same sense because they haven't lost anything. They didn't have anything to lose. But those of us who are saved, when we sin, we lose that joy. And many times people have sinned, and but we've all sinned. And because of that sin, it has put them in a dry place spiritually. So what do we do to somebody who has sinned? And as a result, they're in a dry place. How do we treat that person? With contempt or scorn or judgment? No, we restore that person to a right relationship with God. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul is talking about restoring a brother who has fallen into sin, restoring a sister who's messed up. And Paul said, you who are spiritual, go to that person in a spirit of gentleness and restore them. That Greek word restore is the word that was used in the medical community when a doctor would reset a broken bone. And that's what God would have us to do. Not to judge them, not to throw stones at them like the Pharisees did with the lady caught in adultery. But to go to them in a spirit of meekness and gentleness and say, hey, God can forgive you. God has forgiven me of my sins, and God can forgive you of your sins as well. And so we go to those who are in Lodabar who can't get out on their own, and what do we do? We restore them in a spirit of humility. Now, some people are in Lodabar not because of their sins necessarily, but they're in Lodabar because of circumstances beyond their control. Something has happened. They couldn't help it. And as a result, they've lost their joy. They've lost their excitement. They've lost their peace. And they're in a a dry place. But it's not as a result of sin. And so what do we do in that case? We remind them that God's grace is sufficient and that God will help them and that God will see them through. And then some people are in a spiritual low debar, and it's it's all they've ever known. And what should we do? We should rescue them and we should help them pull them out of their, of their dry place. You know, whatever the reason might be that somebody's in a dry place, we as the body of Christ, we as the people of God should go to them in restoration, in reminding them of God's grace, rescuing them, pulling them out, and helping them. But, you know, I was talking to some, some friends the other day. We have a couple in our church, Robert and Kristen Hodson. Fine young couple and... Uh, love the Lord, serve here in one of our connection groups, doing a lot of different things. Kristen volunteers at the Crisis Pregnancy Center every week. And I was talking to them the other day, and she said, she sent me a text, and I followed it up with a phone call. She said, John, I had an amazing experience. She said, I was working at the Crisis Pregnancy Center. I volunteer there every Wednesday, and a lot of these young girls are coming in, and they're they're pregnant, they're not married, and they're at a real crossroads in their lives, and they're trying to figure out what to do and where to go, and And we're, we're trying to talk them into to having the baby, and she said, we're doing everything we can to encourage these girls to, to have their baby, and we're here to help them. Our church supports that ministry every month, help them in what they're doing. She said, John, a young girl came in, about 17 years old, came in with her mother. Young girl's pregnant, not married, and uh, just really trying to figure out what to do in life and they came up here to to get some help and so we we told them some ways practically that we could help them and things we could do for them and we encouraged the young lady to to go go through with the pregnancy and to to have the baby and and in fact she had already decided that's what she was going to do she was going to have the baby and And uh, the mother was there to support her, and yet, even though they had made the decision, or she had, to have the child, you can imagine, you put yourself in in her shoes. What must this feel like? And so at the end of their visit together, Kristen said, do y'all have a church in the area that you go to? And they said, no, we don't really go to church. And Kristen said, well, my husband and I go to First Baptist in Pasadena, and I'd just like to invite you to come. I I think you would like it. The people are not, I mean, the people are nice, and and I think you'd be blessed by coming up there, and, and this was on a Wednesday, and so she said, in fact, if you'll come to church on Sunday, you can sit with me and my husband, and so they said, well, I tell you what, we're going to come. They told, she told her the time, told her where they sat, and they said, we'll be there Sunday morning. Well, it got to be Saturday, and the mother and daughter were saying, well, tomorrow's the day. We're going to go meet Kristen and her husband at church and sit by them, and one of them said to the other, well, you know, we've got a friend who doesn't go to church anywhere, and and uh, maybe we should call him today and invite him to go to church with us tomorrow. So they called this friend, and they said, Look, we met a girl last week at the Crisis Pregnancy Center named Kristen, and she's invited us to come to First Baptist, and says everybody up there is loving and kind and nice, and they're going to help us and encourage us. And We're going to First Baptist tomorrow, and we'd like to invite you to go with us. Can you go tomorrow? Do you have plans already? He said, no, I don't have plans. He said, in fact, I just got out of jail earlier today. He said, I'm free as a bird tomorrow. I can go wherever you want to go. And, and they said, well, meet us at First Baptist. And he said, okay, is that the one? They Yeah, that's the one. And so he came to the service. And they sat back there by the, the back section on the lower level. Came to the service, met some people, had the worship time, listened to the sermon, heard about God. Heard at the end of the sermon how God, could, God meets us where we are. God will forgive us. God will save us. God will give us a new beginning. God, you know, all this. The invitation was given. The mother, the daughter, the guy that just got out of jail... All three of them prayed to be saved. All three of them stood up confessing their faith in Jesus Christ. Some have already been baptized. Others are going to be baptized either today or next Sunday or sometime soon. And I thought, you know, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Where people can come in here from the crisis crisis pregnancy center. (laughs) People can come in here right out of jail. And people can find a God who meets them where they are. What is our responsibility as a church? Our responsibility is to go to people in dry places and to show them the same kindness that God has shown us. To take them by the hand, to bring them to the king's table so that they can find and experience what we have found in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you today for your kindness to us. And God, I pray this week that you'll give us an opportunity to show kindness to somebody else. Now, with your head bowed and eyes closed, one of the things I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for the kindness of God, the grace and mercy and love of God that he has extended to us in Jesus Christ. Would you right now, Christian friend, thank God for his kindness and grace and love and mercy towards you, that he hasn't thrown stones at you or that he hasn't sentenced you to a life in Lodabar, but that by grace he has invited you and received you at his table where you can feast with him for the rest of your life on earth and then for all eternity. Would you pray this week that God would give you an opportunity to show kindness to somebody who's in Lodabar, maybe because of their own sin, maybe because of circumstances beyond their control, or maybe because it's all they've ever known? Would you ask God this week that if a political conversation gets brought up or some controversial conversation gets brought up, instead of just angrily expressing your views on a particular issue that you this week would show kindness and love and graciousness and mercy so that through that kindness that person could come to experience God in the same way that you have come to experience God. Now there's some here today who say, John, I've never received Christ myself. I am in Lodabar. I am in a dry place. And I need a new beginning. I need that food that's being served at the king's table. Friend, you can experience that. If you'll confess your sins, it always begins there. You can't can't receive new life if you bypass confessing your sins. You have to deal with the sin issue first. And then once that sin issue is dealt with and those sins are forgiven, then you receive Christ. Then you have that new life. If you're not absolutely certain that you're saved, would you pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. I trust you.
0: Amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Again, that's 1-800-337-0157. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with many others on our website peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. If you are a new believer in Jesus, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your friends and family about how Jesus has changed your life. We have a booklet entitled, How to Be a Happy Christian, that will help you in your new faith journey. You can find it and others under the booklets tab on our website, peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.